Hello, and welcome to the first episode, the very first episode, of the Auburn Observer Podcast. I am Justin Ferguson, and across the table from me, at a respectable, safe distance, is one Mr. Painter Sharpless. Hello, Painter. Hey, I'm going to lean back just a little bit. I don't want to get too close to you in these trying times, uh, but it is good to be back in your presence, my prince. We are back in a new format. Very new. Uh, Well... For us. For, for us. us. It's a new... Other people have been doing stuff like this for a very long time. That's true. And I think now is the time for us to try to get on this new thing that people are calling the podcast. Podcasting. Podcasting. It seems to be a new a new uh, fad among the teens. Uh, not just the teens. We went by uh, a store, a large store, if you will, that had yeah. electronics. Uh, blue and yellow are their primary colors. We can say it. Like, I think we're in radio mode that we can just be like, oh, we don't want to say, you know, don't want to say anything to offend any sponsors or anything. We best went to Best Buy. buy. We and, went to Best and Buy. And all of the teachers have taken all of the microphones, including one uh, Mrs. Ferguson. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what my, so my sister is a is a teacher and i don't know how she's necessarily doing that because isn't she a rookie she's a rookie kindergarten teacher first in the county and you uh you get to not only try to you know start a new career you're out of college you've been a student your whole life right and then it's like on top of all the uh, responsibility here's a pandemic yeah the likes of which we haven't seen in 100 years so like we know the audio is it great we hope that it will get better as it goes on painter and i are recording in the same room um it's not like a soundproof room like we're used to when we mm-hmm. used to be the radio station we don't have our own individual mics we're making the best as we can at the moment but we wanted to get it out here because look man the last few months this entire year whatever have sucked for a <laughs> lot of people and it looks like there's going to be football played very soon and whether you agree with that or you don't it's happening and we are excited about the possibility of it, and it's like, why wait? Why wait any yeah. longer? We've been talking about doing something like this for months now, and it is time for us to mm-hmm. jump on in. So we will forgive all of the teachers and all of the <laughs> uh, all of the virtual <laughs> learners in America, uh, or all the you know. We just got in on the podcast game, I think, a little too late. Um, Hindering but, our podcast for your education yes, and your future. A is, little annoying. This but, is our sacrifice. Right. This is the sacrifice we are, we are making. But no, this is the Auburn Observer podcast, and uh, you know. If you have heard of us in the past, you know, Painter and I specifically, we did a radio show. And Painter, I think from the top, I want to say the amount of people who have reached out, I know on my end, I'm sure it's been on your end as well, since our show went off the air, um, for me, since, you know, I got let go from The Athletic, was, I mean, it's the whole reason why I'm here right now. It's that there were so many people being like, I wish you guys were still on, or I wish you guys would try something else and do that because we miss it and we, and we want it. We kind of want to hear from you. And like, that's the whole reason I'm here is because, because of you and I, and I, and I assume it's the same way because I'm sure you've been getting the same tweets and DMs and emails that I have. So I would say it's twofold on the one hand, like really enjoyed what we did together. And out of that came a genuine friendship. But to your point, it was both incredible to see in my own corner how good the people were and how supportive people my family and friends are. But kind of what you're alluding to is also equally touching. The amount of people that I did not know were in my corner that might listen to this show once a week or, or might have listened to it every day and supported us. That was awesome. So I think we're here and there will be probably some similarities, but I think also some differences. I think you had a, a pretty clear idea of what it is you wanted this to look like. Do you want to get into that yeah. about what the format will be, what people can expect? You mentioned it's been a kind of a crappy start to 2020. At this point, I can I think we can just commit and say, eh, not going to be our favorite year, but it will be a memorable one. But with all that said, now that we're starting this up, what is it you're hoping we're going to do on a regular basis? Yeah, so, I mean, this podcast is along with something that I'm launching and Painter is in it with me called the Auburn Observer. Uh, It is a uh, newsletter, uh, subscription, website, kind of hybrid format Mm -hmm. thing that a lot of people are doing, you know, because sports writing and journalism in general and just the job market in general just sucks for everyone right now. (laughs) Um, So you're trying to find new ways to kind of monetize what you love to do and give it a shot. And this is what we're going to do. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the stuff that you guys who may have known me or followed me on Twitter or read my stuff in the past have enjoyed. Um, stuff like uh, film rooms, mailbags. Um, uh, the mailbags are real popular. I think mine has always been the film analysis because mm-hmm. there's really no one else on Auburn's beat 
that does anything like that. But the mailbags are definitely, I think, a fan favorite. Yeah, just inside some numbers stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get into one of those uh, here later later in the in this in this episode, but. Um, Our fans are gonna like that one for two reasons, but I'll I'll let you I'll let you get into that. Yeah, one. and uh, yeah, the occasional column, um, you maybe some features, some long longer stuff I'm doing like that. And what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna put it out there, you know, put it out there and see, um, you know, who who wants to who wants to join in on it? Who wants a slice of the pie? Who wants a slice of the pie? I guess it. Yeah, and my whole thing is that the Auburn Observer, most of my stuff that I've done in the past. Um, has been kind of observation-based. Um, I am not a scoops guy. I am not a newsbreaker. There are people on Auburn's beat who, who have been there job. who do an exceptional mm-hmm. job. Veteran reporters who are like the classic, like really good reporters, and they have sources and they do that. And I'm not saying I don't have sources. I haven't broken news in the past, but that's not my game. You know, I'm, I find myself more of a writer than a reporter, right, right. and so that's kind of what I want to want to push through here. Um, and we're going to do a podcast with it. So what I'm going to do is, uh, you know, there's a whole intro post um, up at uh, auburnobserver.substack.com. That might be the way you found this. If not, just kind of run it down if you just, you know, stumbled on it through a podcast platform or something we saw you saw on Twitter. Um, I'm going to shoot for three or four stories a week, kind of like what I was doing in my last uh, in my last job. And then we're going to try to do two podcasts a week. And here's what we're going to do. We're not just going to try. We're not just going to try. We're, well, I mean, audio, 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 <laughs> yeah. audio issues. God willing. <laughs> audio issues accepting we're going to try. Uh, no, it's, it's it, so many people wanted us to do a podcast again. and, and Which is baffling, but I appreciate your support. And, and the other thing is it's going to help, it's going to help people out more because this is going to be an Auburn specific one. So all that other nonsense that we did on, on our sure. radio show, we're going to have a little bit of a tighter Try focus. To it a little we're going to be tighter focus. Yeah, it's going to be all Auburn and uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to have a whole lot of fun with it. Um, and just real quick off the top for the entire month of September, it is going to be 100% free to listen to every episode of this podcast, to read everything I got for the entire month of September. And anything that's posted during those times will be free. Then, if this works out, starting on October 1st, we are going to switch to paid subscriptions, shooting for about a $6 per month kind of thing. If I get enough of that, I can pay my bills and do this for a living. <laughs> um, so we're going to give this a shot and see how it works. I know right now, financially, it's all it's tough sure, for a lot of people. Sure. If you're a nerd like me um, on the internet uh, of sports writing, you've subscribed to a lot of stuff during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, off the top, first off, Matt Brown of Extra Points. We had him on our radio show. I am not here right now without Matt Brown's help. He has been so like he has been so instrumental in getting this off the ground. But he has a great uh, thing going on at Substack. Mm-hmm. Definitely encourage you to su- subscribe to that. Uh, the guys over at uh, the guys over at Moon Crew, the former Banner Society guys, uh, uh, Spencer <laughs> Hall, Jason Kirk, uh, Richard Johnson, Alex Kirshner, uh wrote a book. Wrote a freaking book during this time. Um, Gave a ton of money to charity on, on top of it, and they're starting their own thing. Didn't you say it was like upwards of ten thousand dollars? Like I'm not trying to grand. like I'm not trying to stare too hard at the figure, but just like to point out, these guys are doing actually good work. They're doing exceptional work, and they're and they're raising money for a good cause. Got that going on. They have their own thing where they're doing their newsletter, and they're they're trying out different things for for uh, for financial support. So supporting those guys as well, mm. and then on top of that, um, some of my favorites, the guys who used to be at the at the old Deadspin. Have started yeah, their own thing, yeah. Defector, which which launches pretty soon. And you see all these stories, and these people are making it this independent. We're going to go out here and put it directly to the people, um, not have to worry about going under some some other media company or you know. It's hard to get those jobs, and I can attest, it's hard to keep those jobs right now. So, <laughs> trying to go in this route, I think it's 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 very risky. It's exciting. Um, I'm very nervous, but yeah, I, that's our feeling that I shared with you. Like when we were about to, when we were getting everything going, I was like, you know, I'm surprised. I got used to the feeling of doing the show at eleven central and being like, okay, this is the normal thing. But that, and and it's not to say that there weren't ever times because. When we had guests on in particular, you want to be prepared. Yeah. And some of the guests we had on, often I would say we outkicked our coverage mm-hmm. on, you know, their knowledge versus like my knowledge, i.e. John Clayton shutting me down, right? <laughs> but uh, this is something I'm really eager for Auburn fans to get a bite of. And I would say, while I understand the the financial limitations that, that might be on you, because like, we just both yeah. lost jobs. This is an interesting time mm-hmm. for a number of different things, and money is no exception, like, uh, I think this is something that people will really feel like they will get a lot out of and something that has been a focus of yours since before this, I felt like at least, correct me if I'm wrong, was like, I want to put things out that are meaningful. I want to put yeah. out stories. Not only do people want to read, but I, they will know that I spend a lot of time 
crafting this. And I think there's a general sense of that with this, too. We don't just want to give you guys stuff. We want to make sure you feel like, um, you know, it, it was um, created intentionally. Yeah, and, and my whole thing is that I want people, whenever they read our stu- my stuff and, and, and listen to our podcast, maybe learn something that they might not have known right, heading right. into it. Think about Auburn football or Auburn basketball differently. That's all That's all I'm trying to do here because there are so many really good beat writers in Auburn doing great work for mm-hmm. newspapers and, and, and these well-established sites. Um, I've tried to carve out my own lane doing something different, and this is what we're going to do. And it's going to give me even more freedom to, to really lean into that and not as much kind of the traditional day-to-day beat coverage stuff. Now, if you're following me on Twitter, I'm still going to be doing a lot of that stuff, and we're going to be keeping informed. But, um, you know, this podcast is we're going to – Talk Albert. We're going to talk about you know what's up, what's going on uh, with the teams. Talk about some news. Have some fun with it. Uh, bring on some guests, hopefully from from time to time, and, and just have fun. And and what we're going to try to do is, you know, have two a week. Right now, like I said, everything in the month of September is going to be free, and that's because football. And we'll get into this really shortly. Football could be like pushed back or postponed or like canceled. Like there's a non-zero chance. Mm-hmm. I think the SEC in in football in general is going to try to college football is going to try to get it through right right here in the fall. But there's still a chance. And the last thing I want to do is like take your money here and just sure. be like, oh, and uh, now there are no more games. Sorry, goodbye. So let's get through a week. Like you know, Auburn plays at the end of the month. Let's get through. Let's get through the Kentucky game. Let's, uh, that'll give you a chance to try it out. See, see if it's going to be worth investing in once we start in October. And, yeah, during the middle of Georgia week, we'll flip it on over. And, and what we'll do is one of these podcasts a week will be free. It'll be 100% free. You can always listen to it then. And then we'll also, for those of you who would like to subscribe as a little incentive, you'll get a bonus podcast. Mm-hmm. That second podcast a week will be going through here. So plenty of introduction right now. Looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, we, like we said, we're going to have some fun. We're going to get off topic for, from time to time. Um, but this is going to be an Auburn podcast, so we're going to lock in. And uh, really interesting time to get everything going um, because, you know, the last month we have heard all about how Auburn has been um, doing really well with, with, with COVID-19 and, and getting back to practice and get everything going. Well, last week that hit a snag, and it hit a rather significant snag, Um Last night, I was on the Zoom call on Sunday night. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday. You know, Sunday night, uh, Gus Malzahn reveals that last week they had had five positive COVID-19 tests among players. Then they had four more later in the week. Uh, they're going to step up testing in, the, in that aspect. They had nine. A couple of position groups, he wouldn't go into specifics, which, I mean, like, I know, like, Auburn's being very transparent compared to a lot of college football teams. They're not going to be, like, they're they're being about as transparent as I, I would imagine a college a major college mm-hmm. football program would be at this time. So like I'm not going to be here saying like oh Auburn Tide and stuff like yeah they could be more transparent. But like also I know other programs across we the country know are they're like not the nothing. worst defenders and even saying it that and way, I think they're on I think they're on yeah, the better see, half. Even the way I worded it kind of makes it sound like oh they're they're out there hiding something. I don't think it's conspiratorial. It's just if you've been following college football very long especially compared to professional sports, but even professional sports, we could complain a little bit about access, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But like college sports has just never been inherently transparent, at least not in the modern era, at least not since I've been covering it. And I doubt that changes. So to come out and say, Hey, we're having nine positive COVID-19 tests and it hurt a couple of position groups. And to the fact that we weren't able to practice last week, a couple of times that speaks to to like, okay, that's you're being open. You're being, you're being open. You're not, 100% 100% open, you're not super... It also means they're, they're, they did stop practicing when they found out that people were yeah, sick. Yeah, they're just not... Like, I'm not accusing... But, like, you know, and I don't know how prevalent this is or is not on the college level. I do believe it easier to swallow the idea of high school teams getting positive tests oh, yeah. and just plowing ahead. And part of that may be resource-based, but, like, it, it is reassuring that Auburn staff and, and medical staff went, all right, this isn't safe, we got to take a pause. Yeah, and so they thought that, like... I mean, they have so many walk-ons. They have so many people. And, and, like, the problem is is that this is going to happen in the regular season. There are going to be games where, like, starters are not going to be there because they're going to have positive tests. Now, we hope that the rate of that goes down over, you know, the next you know, next few weeks as we get into the season. But it's going to happen. So it's just kind of like everything's kind of TBD. And the most important thing is that they try to stay as safe as possible. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that, that Gus said last night that – or I keep saying last night, Sunday night um, – that – you know, there wasn't a single event. Like, we've heard about stories about in other campuses about college football players getting it from certain parties right, or certain. Right. there's a certain dorm room that's kind of that's kind of been, you know, ground zero for everything. Um, 
he said that, you know, like one of them was off campus and, you know, it was in contact with a roommate's, you know, whose girlfriend had it or whose girlfriend had been around somebody who had it. And so it was like one of those things, another one happened in the dorm. So it's like, it's just kind of happening everywhere. And like, you can do your best, but like, this is going to be a risk that everyone's going to have to take. Like, there are going to be positive tests and there are going to be games where key players are not going to be out there. Yeah, we knew this would happen in the summertime to some extent. And I think it did, right? And then we definitely knew, and this isn't an Auburn thing, this was nationwide and they're prepared for it yeah once we brought back anywhere depending on the size of your campus like 5,000 to 30,000 50,000 students depending on where you are and what school you're at like you're going to see a spike in cases and the football team is no exception to that even though I think Auburn as far as we know had I think done a good job of trying to be safe and as far as I'm aware of so have their players because Mm -hmm. one of my issues not to get too far off on a tangent with bringing the students back and then getting mad at the students for partying is like well, they are children, and the <laughs> adults, i.e. politicians, i.e. university leadership, i.e. whatever city council, like, you had to know that this was going to happen, and right. I, I, you know, so you can, we could have a totally different conversation, yeah, I, but, I, like, I do feel like from what I'm hearing, the football players and the athletes have been taking yeah. precautions. And they've been very, and they've been very, you know, outspoken on social media about let us play like you guys stay safe so we can be safe yeah, like so we can all have what we want which is obviously to play football and i think I, I honestly think and like you know this might be me as someone who covers football and covers this team looking into it kind of having tunnel vision a little bit but i also think that when classes opened and all those players i know anthony schwartz and cam stutz were two of the biggest ones that tweeted out there were like taking pictures like ain't none of y'all wearing masks out here like this is crazy I think that kind of pressure from the football team, and we can talk about the how, how if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think the I think the the pressure from the football team and that being a little bit more out in the open got them to say, okay, well you have to wear a mask outside now, you know. And people yeah, are going to yeah. go off downtown. People are going to have parties. But like, we knew all, that some of that was inevitable. Some of that is inevitable, but I think the the precautions are kind of stepping up. Well, who would you rather hear it from? And I don't think this is necessarily, I don't know if it's good or bad or if you need to label it one way or the other, but generally speaking, what you're talking about is sort of this peer pressure, right? That you've got guys speaking out on on a thing, leading a thing that we all want to happen. And when you hear that from your university leaders, your parents, your city council, your president, like whatever, it's like, you, like, ex- you like, expect those people to say those things when it's people your age being like, hey, we do want to play football, but it's not going to be possible if y'all don't get yeah. in line. There is some part of that that I think is almost more effective in a small way than just some other normal leader, per se. Yeah. So Auburn was not able to practice a couple times last week. Or they probably could have, and they just felt like, especially with two position groups being hit hard, it's going to be hard to run practice mm. when you're like, <laughs> well, we don't have anybody. <laughs> we are missing a significant portion of the team. Yeah, and I mean that's that's what's that's what's going to happen. And 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 Malzahn said it on Sunday night. Like you're just going to have to get ready for it. Like everyone's kind of learning on the fly. And somebody asked, like, what happens if this happens during the regular season? It's like you're going to have to make the most of it. And like, yeah, that's true. That, it will be true, true at Auburn. It will almost. It seems inevitable again that like this will happen at some point during the regular season. And by the way, this will certainly be happening happening outside of Auburn. This is not a strict criticism of right. Auburn. I think it's just no. it's just going as as, well, as, as you I, mentioned like it's going to happen. And I and I and I and again, I applaud Auburn for not practicing and then just saying, "Hey, it's going to be tough." Like that's a tough decision to do and just say, "We're going to like you might not be able to make up those days of practice. Like you still have time, but like it's going to be tight." Yeah, you mentioned this was part of the plan, right? They gave themselves a decent the buffer. The SEC, yeah. They gave them a, a buffer to get this in, so we'll see how it goes from there. We'll see we'll see how how it goes from there, but um, on top of that, also last week, um, towards the weekend, a lot of, of teams, a lot of sports leagues were um, striking yeah. uh, as, as um, the, the response to the shooting in Wisconsin um, and, and, and the protests that it sprang up against then. The Milwaukee Bucks starting the one in the NBA. By the way, the Milwaukee Bucks having a goal, setting out and saying, we want to affect this kind of change and it working. That is like I think that's huge for what's going to happen moving forward when we talk about athletes using their power. Yeah, respect to them for setting a goal, right? Because and not just saying we're not going to play and we're not coming back. It was and it even wasn't just we're not going to play because we want more people to to pay attention to what's going on in Kenosha. It was more like we have it because we want lawmakers and we want like we want to have a dialogue. We want to open things up, and they did it. Well, a lot of leagues kind of fell in place with solidarity, and we've seen we've seen the we've seen solidarity going across all college campuses. People going to protests and stuff like that. 
So part of it is Auburn could have probably came back last week. Now, they did have some more cases. It would have been a little bit of touch and go. But they decided not to practice, not even to have meetings, mm-hmm. you know, taking some days off um, because the players pushed for it. And look, most of your uh, players are black, right? Most of your assistants are black. Like this is a this is a case that is happening with with Auburn and and, and we saw it in in, in in May and we saw it and all, all the uh, the things that happened with George Floyd that Auburn is willing to you know take a step back and like Gus Malzahn last night like he doesn't have all the answers and like he knows that this is a really trying time this is a stressful time between COVID nineteen between things that are happening in this country that have nothing to do with with sports yet has everything to do with sports because it's about people's mm-hmm. lives and you know and about and about race and the interaction of them in this country. Anyway, for Auburn to come out and say, hey, we, we're not going to do that, I think. Just let's get it. Let's get, you know, a, a kind of a clean clean slate. They're going to practice. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, they're supposed to be practicing uh, sometime today, getting back on the practice field. 18 people are going to be out for the whole week due to contact uh, tracing. Sure. Uh, if you get a positive t- case, it's a 17-day uh, before you can come back. I think that's the buffer that they have, and I believe it's 10 days if you're someone along the lines of contact tracing. 17 days, that's not insignificant. Yeah. Uh, especially, as you mentioned, not to get, we've been talking about things that actually matter, but if we want to back up a little bit, yeah. like Kentucky is coming up here. Um, we're, you know, what, three and a half-ish, four weeks away from that now, based on it's almost the beginning of September when we're recording this. Right. And, and the other thing is is that I know some people want to kind of kind of pull out and say, you know, who who's out? Like, because I think people want to know if the starting quarterback's not playing, if such yeah, and I such saw is playing. Somebody, one of the players, tweeted, "Who was that?" and said, "Y'all, Bo's okay." Well, then who you had, that? we knew that football season is it's a, the new the new walk on. That made uh, me laugh yeah. so much. It, it, you know, it's football season when someone starts a message board rumor yeah, about uh, yeah. Auburn starting quarterback <laughs> having an injury. We uh, Jarrett Stidham had the exact same thing happen to him mm-hmm. a couple years back, if you remember. Um, anyway, but like. People want to know, like, is who's out? Who's out? And, like, if players want to say that they're out, let them do it. That's, yeah, it's their priority. But also, like, a, a, a team, you can also talk about, you know, privacy laws and all that. And, like, I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not I, – I don't know all of, all that stuff. Um, the saying that you've had cases and you've had positives and you've had to stop practice because certain position groups are out, like, that's enough for me. Because the last thing I want is – like for they say, and this player and this player and this player, you know, or whatever, has is tested positive, and they just get like bombarded on social media from all these people who are like telling them that they're faking it or like the like COVID's <laughs> not real or anything like that. You know, that's like something I, I would have to think they'd have to worry about shielding up against. Um, just having somebody just in, <laughs> just having somebody with like ten numbers at the end of their Twitter account, just being like, "You're a crisis actor. You're not." It's like, no man, I'd love to be practicing right now, but I can't. You know, the the science. The other thing I thought was very interesting on, on Sunday night is that, um, you know, Gus kind of shot down pretty quickly the concept of, like, false negatives. He was like, we have, like, the best tests that you can come at. Like, I, they are scraping the bottom of these kids' brains and these coaches' very, brains. He's not very pointed with most things, and that one stuck out to me. Just And they, I wondered if it was because I was reading the tweet, because I was not in on this. Oh, no, he and was so pretty it, straightforward. I was, like, I was like, that seems to be a more pointed comment than he would normally make. Like, even when I think Gus is a little annoyed by a question, he's pretty good at just sort of deflecting yeah. he didn't deflect there he said it was like we have the gold standard of testing and it is it is a deep deep tissue it sounds test. terrible it honestly. sounds so bad especially doing it just being like god all right i have to do this again like basically and I'm they're now doing it hours. even more now right. they're having to do it more um to step up i guess and, maybe it's like you know I don't, I don't but i have family members who do like the diabetes prick where it's like oh gosh that would probably hurt me but like i'm a wuss and i guess if you just do it enough oh, yeah. maybe hopefully you start to adjust. My, uh yeah my dad has a has a condition where he's got to like i don't think it's weekly but it's like pretty close he's got to like inject himself like uh Pretty, like the needles aren't the needles aren't short. Uh, I'll say that. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's, it's like, like, it's like I, oh if, if I was in your dad's shoes, it might just be like this isn't going to end well for me. Yeah. Right? I don't have the discipline <laughs> to actually do the thing. It's, it's it's incredible. It shows, but it shows also how much these dudes just want to play. Yeah, like, and, yeah. Now, and to your to your kind of joking, but also kind of serious point about like the you know these these guys want to play. You know, mm-hmm. like with the. And yeah. Auburn's pretty out. Like Gus Malzahn could have said like yeah you know false positives are real, but we and we have all these dudes sitting out. He's like no we. We feel we like feel we good. we feel good about this and, and 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 good for good for them. I mean, you gotta gotta step it up like that because there's a whole lot of 
There's a whole lot of just talk around uh, going mm-hmm. about it and trying to cut through that as much as possible, I think, is, is pretty good. For a guy in his position who's not the most he's not the most outspoken coach in the world. He's not a guy who goes who, who wants to say a, a lot of things controversial or anything or, you know, doesn't necessarily want to talk a long time when he's in a press conference anyway. I thought that was really kind of hit home what, uh, to uh, the point. Sorry, go finish. Well, that. and then the other thing that said to the point where it was, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> what what was your what are your goals this week for practice? And he's like to practice. Yeah, right. And then they, like people were like, LOL, you know, this all again. But it's like no, like seriously, like they just want to get through a week now, and that's going to happen hopefully starting uh, starting later today. So we mentioned some of those protests and, uh, that are you know, I think very admirable, and I'm glad that the players we mentioned earlier set out defined goals how difficult do you think it is right now to be a head coach who is white because and this isn't a boo-hoo them kind of thing like they get paid great money and they call themselves second fathers so they need to be prepared for difficult situations like this but it is not very often i find myself in a situation where i am uh in the minority in terms like if i go somewhere and there are more you know just non-white people and like and the in sports, that is one of the few areas where that tends not always, but it tends to be the case. Like you can just look at the football team from the staff to the players, and mm-hmm. on the whole, you're looking at a lot more young black men than you are yeah. white people. And I wonder what that give and take has been like. And I think it has been positive as yeah. far as I can tell. I think that Auburn as a team, and I think you probably could speak more on this than I could, have have been pretty unified. In right. this, and I don't think that's insignificant um, for a couple of reasons, but not least of which is that we are in Alabama, and mm-hmm. uh, like I'm, yeah, uh, I see that the team is trying to work through this also. Yeah, uh, it's it's and and for Gus, like you know, I mean, you mentioned like the long Twitter number thing, but like there will be fans who want nothing oh, to yeah. do with that. They will just want him to never comment on that, and I appreciate that the team has the team. has that. Uh, they will not. They will not want their coach yeah, commenting yeah. on any social. Well, issues, I right? also think about the, the the Black Lives Matter posts Precisely. that all the players had and stuff like, like that. Yeah, that's that's something that I think a lot of you know they've got to be ready for the for the backlash for it. And yeah, it's it's, it's tough, but I think it goes back to a being there for their players and two, the the last thing I wrote at my last job. Like, literally, I was so happy that it was going out there, and then, like, that day I found out, oh, you don't have a job anymore, <laughs> uh, was the conversation I had about this mm-hmm. with, with Alan Green. And I think Alan Green, he said a lot of stuff in there that reflects a lot of what I'm seeing, especially from white coaches during this time, because we know Bruce Pearl and those guys took a break from practicing um, as well, mm-hmm. you know, last week during, during all this. And to our knowledge, they, don't, they have not had the COVID-19 problems that the football team has had. Smaller roster. It's a little bit easier to, a little bit easier to contain, contain that. But I think one of the things that it stuck out for me from Alan Green is that you just got to have be willing to, A, listen. And, and, and on top of that, listen knowing that you might not say the right thing in response or you might hear something that you don't, that doesn't necessarily say, well, these are like things that have to be it uncomfortable. It can be very personal. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Very uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable. But having that willingness to say, like, hey, we want the best for each other, and we gotta. We've got to see how we can affect change. Like Gus said that last night, affecting change, using our influence to to affect positive change. Like that is their goal right now, and like some of that is some of that change. Like you have to look at yourself, and I think for a lot of people in college sports who are white, they're having to hear some tough things from their black, you know, teammates, from their black players, from their black, you know, coworkers, mm-hmm. you know, their black assistant coaches. I guess maybe even in a few cases, like kind of a different conversation because there's not that many of them. But yeah, like, I mean, like Derek Mason would be an yeah. example of like, there aren't many black head coaches, but... Uh, or when you talk about Alan Green being, being the AD at Auburn. Right. I guess, is it Vanderbilt that now has a black, the first black female mm-hmm. um, yes. AD and then Auburn? Is there, am I forgetting anyone else? Otherwise, I, I, think, I don't think, I think I don't that's think so. it in, yeah. the, in the conference. At this point, yeah. But it, it's, they're tough conversations to be had, but the fact that they're having them and that they are listen, that they're listening, I think that goes... It does wonders, and you you know that we've seen some places in college football where coaches have been called out, coaches have been <laughs> coaches have been have been criticized for mm-hmm. not being supportive and all that, and you don't see that at all. And they are really trying to put up a unified front, and uh, even from our very outspoken players that we have seen from Auburn on on social media, 
Um, seems to be pretty pretty supportive. But yeah, those are tough conversations. It's a tough time. It's just a tough time to be existing. A lot of people are bored. The it's political just like every, problems yeah, in this country, the social problems in this country. It just it's it's a powder keg. So, I, but I, I do feel that seemed to me it's so tough to be from a, a right distance, now. not being there. Yep. I, I can't truly know what those conversations look like. But as far as I perceive, Auburn, I think has as a team, as a football team, has taken these last few months in stride. I know it took us down a rabbit hole a little bit uh, right there. This, but that's, that's what's going to happen. So you're, you're getting us in our, like, we've had, what is it, it's been about a month since we've been off the air? Yeah, I think, a few I, I want to say that maybe the 6th was the last yeah. day, but we're coming up on about 30 days. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we've had a lot of this pent up and we're ready to go. <laughs> Speaking of which, I think the pause in practices and kind of the lack of news that came out from mm-hmm. it um, is a good time for us to kind of get things going again and let's switch it over to a football-centric uh, part of, of this conversation. We have not been able to talk about this um, over the last few weeks, at least in a place where other people can hear it. Sure. We, we can definitely talk about it uh, to one another. This is such a weird time that any kind of takeaways you want to have from camp are going to be even weirder because it's like, well, you know, this guy could be breaking out, but he could also be one of the guys who are now not practicing. We don't know that yet. Um, but just some, some kind of general things. Um, Auburn is like really, really focusing in on trying to solve that offensive line problem. And like it feels like every little bit of news is making it even tougher to get to that. They're having to replace four starters on the offensive line. They've got a bunch of new faces that are trying to break in there. And they feel like they're making progress, but everything feels like it's very thin ice kind of when it comes to the Auburn's offensive line. How optimistic can you be, man? Like uh, about this group, and I'm I'm not asking that rhetorically. Like I'm asking you, how optimistic can Auburn fans be, given that not unlike some other schools, and especially some schools that have like new head coaches and new offensive lines, Auburn's not in the worst place, right? They're not Ole Miss, they're not Missouri. They've got more talent. You know, it's not a new coaching staff, but this offensive line, this position where cohesion is such a valuable. Uh, or, or such a necessary trait for them to succeed. As a fan, are you more nervous given the limitations of practice? Is that a fair way to feel? Or do you just go, well, everyone else is kind of dealing with the same thing, right. so they'll just be as good as they're going to be, like, regardless? Yeah, I think it's. I think you should give, if you're a fan, I think you should give them a little more leeway because it's like you could have a returning offensive line that's super strong, but what if they're all having to sit out? You know, or like, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be just kind of up in the air. One of the things that Gus said on, on Sunday night that was interesting is that by the first game, they want to have an idea of their top 10 guys. And I think 10, you might look at it as like, well, you don't want to know what your top five. I think you want your 10 because, like, you know that those things can be more so than other years. You probably will be you're playing some depth. musical chairs. You're wanting some depth. So, like, I know Auburn's got a number of pieces on the offensive line. They've got a lot more depth on there than they're used to. There's not a lot of experience, but there's a lot more options the fact that they loaded up on juco guys and and and, and transfers it's very telling but it also kind of where it's going to work out this year especially because even if you know player x is not a starter in day one he might have to jump into that mm-hmm. you know by week two or week three so um I, I think for auburn's offensive line is just keep an open mind and test for everything you know be willing to work out some emergency lineups have a guy like Brandon Council is going to be huge for this team because if you look at what he did at Akron, he played basically everywhere on the offensive line. He has the ability to play everywhere. So the fact that you have a guy that you that has FBS experience again on a team that wasn't good, but he's got FBS experience, which is a lot more than some of these guys can say. Plug it in, and just be like, even if you're not a starter, it's like he might have to be the honorary like. Austin Golson. Yeah, he might be the yeah. new Austin Golson where it's like, well, you have we to be need somewhere. You, here this week. You, need, you need to be here somewhere, and like, we'll put you here because we, we feel a little bit better about maybe your tackle situation or something like that. So I just think that. Will you, I'm sorry to cut you off. Will you remind people you did this probably back in March or April? Uh, I think you had like a general five along the offensive line and a few things. One, that could change yeah. given everything you already said because of COVID, but two, like, you were making predictions back in the spring and. Things happen in six yeah. months, but like if you would at least based on what you were thinking at the time, yeah. what are you thinking all along, along that start? Well, I think I think everybody knows that Nick Brahms is going to be the guy. Like, yeah, have a re- returning starter at center is huge, and so you'll have that have that connection with the quarterback back. I think Bradarius Ham is going to be a starter somewhere, and I think he has guard ability and tackle ability. So it'll just be depend on like where he can fit in. Tackle is where we've seen a lot of him. Right tackle. Uh, when they post these videos from practices and stuff like that, he's been at right tackle a ton. So I think that's where you're going to see him there. Left tackle, look, 
it's probably going to be one of the JUCO guys. Maybe Austin Troxel. I don't know. Um, I think when I predicted it, I, I think I said, uh, I think I said Troxel at left tackle. I'm really interested to see what Killian uh, Zyre mm-hmm. looks like because he's coming off that injury and this is a weird year to recover and, and be in that spot. So I don't know what it's going to be like. Also, keep in mind, like, these dudes just have a free year of eligibility. Like, we haven't talked about that yet. Like, it, it might not work and you might not be able to be ready to go. It's like, well, all right, you'll be back next year. Like, you don't have to worry about burning burning a year off of a guy. Um, I think of the guard, the guard spots. Um, I think my prediction was uh, one of the guards – uh, would be um, Keandre Jones. Yeah, and I, and I'm re- I've been really high on Keandre Jones. I like Keandre Jones a lot. Um, and I think, you know, probably having him at right guard, maybe left guard, wherever that goes, I think he's just, talent-wise, he's got it. It's just going to be a matter of experience. It's going to be a weird year. He's got a redshirt year, but, like, the fact that he was the highest-rated guard Auburn had signed since Braden Smith spoke volumes. He's a really good run blocker. Auburn needs help, yeah, in, yeah. help in, that, in, that, in that category, so... That was the one. And I think the other guard spot, I think I had it down between, like, maybe Council. Like, and I think Council came later, but, like, maybe Council. I'll tell you one thing. He would be a massive human being at um, at guard. But if you watch his film and you think about it and you kind of look at what he is as a player would work, I think Brennan Coffey would make a oh, lot of sense whoa. at guard. Oh, man, that'd be fun. A massive dude. But, like, if you go and watch him on film, he just he buries people. And run, and run blocking. Like, he just... Was he the one that was standing next to Gus? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, he looked like a the, gladiator. The Black yes. He, and he's just a big dude. And, like, I don't know if they're working him out at guard. He might just be a tackle because he's so gigantic. Sure. But, like, I, I like his position, that potential there. But also, like I said, I think Council starts somewhere just because you got to have him because he's got all that experience and that, and, that, and that versatility. So those are the general guys you think probably end up in some former fashion as starters but given all of the uncertainty yeah. who are some of the names behind them that you're almost certainly going to see play this year either because of covid or either because like you said really they're operating with a lack of experience and so like some gameplay could matter i feel like i feel like you could name everybody else on this on this roster and it would make sense here but the ones that come to mind immediately are i like uh Tayshawn Manning. Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of experience um, as the as a reserve. So I think Tayshawn Manning is going to be involved somewhere. It makes a lot of sense for him to be the kind of the guard in the a guard in that spot. Uh, Jaleel Irvin and Cam Stutz. I always kind of picture those two guys together. Interior players came in together uh, for for Auburn. Both of her had good times in their early development. Um, and then Alec Jackson is the other one I, I'd want to throw out there. I, are you are you? Serious when you think that he could really because I think sometimes I don't know if he's a SLA starter, but he can be a contributor. Okay, and that that's one thing I do always wonder with position changes because sometimes I mean, like we just saw one that was really, really successful. He was a first round draft pick. And saw another one that was really successful yeah, too. Uh, and then sometimes you make position changes, and you know, just he ends up being a nice depth piece. And, and yeah. I wondered, like, at, at least at best, does Jackson appear to be a solid option as a depth piece? This is not just a move they made out of pity. No, they needed a tackle, and I think he can be a tackle for the future. This is going to be a time like he just needs experience in the position. This right. is a, wasn't a thing he's super, super used to. Uh, one of the other things that has stood out to me during um, what I've been able to pick up from from fall camp so far is uh man the hype train for mark anthony richards oh, is, it's rolling it is rolling. It's rolling like a lot of people i think coming into camp was like this is what it's going to be like for tank bigsby and like tank bigsby's still getting like a lot of a lot of praise and he should be that why that running back room is going to be just in insane to well it's to easy out. this happens every year right like the new batch of recruits come in yeah. and you're all focused on the true freshman it's like well we, we did just kind of forget we were feeling a Generally, maybe not quite to the same extent, but like that excitement about Tank, where there's a lot of people that were excited about Mark Anthony Richards, and then we just sort of, you know, he the freshman year happened, and now people moved on. Yeah, dog, it seems like people are really expecting this. He is in every single video they put up with him. Like every single video they put up from practice, I can't help but think that's like Freudian with like the the camera crew where they're like, we got. Well, also, also he wears twenty one. Where it's like that's that's like you see like running back wearing twenty one at Auburn's like oh that dude's gonna be awesome like there's been... some other twenty one carry on and Trey oh damn very recently yeah okay that's right right I'm at, no, I'm you're, really bad no at, you're correct but I'm really I, bad at numbers I don't know what I was thinking uh, no, well, I forgive you thank you um, he's in he's in this thing all the time and, and when you look at his game it fits very much what they're trying to do at running back um, guy who 
is a as good of a receiver as he is as a runner. I think just a very versatile weapon and a, just a piece that you can kind of move around and do a lot of different things with. He strikes me again not just because he's wearing number twenty one, but he's he strikes me a lot as early uh, early carry on Johnson where it's like let's get the guy let's get the let's get the guy the ball every now and then and, and see where it goes even if he's not the starter and it might be by the end of the year it's like oh yeah this is the guy we want 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 to go mo- moving forward when you did positional analysis when Morris first got on board with Auburn and you did the breakdowns do you happen to remember how he used his running backs specifically I know I'm asking you to go back to like February or March with that story but. Um, you, you broke down basically by percentage how Morris liked to, to run and use certain yeah. positions in certain plays. How did he? Do you remember how he most liked to use his backs? It very much like us. They, they, they're running games. So the running games are very similar. Use running backs more as receiving options than, than Malzahn has in the past. I think that's one of the things you want to keep in mind. Just because he puts the ball in the air a little bit more, your mm-hmm. running backs are going to be a little bit more receivers. So having guys that were are a little bit more all around can be. You know, we we talk about this in the past. But like the future of football being not necessarily looking at guys as running backs, but as just or even receivers, but just as weapons, just as well, that's, I mean, is that what would excite you about like ETN and I guess to some extent like Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to blow up in in, in yeah, Kansas City because I mean, of we can all see this McCaffrey, Kamara, like these guys who catch the ball. Like you are the best running backs in football are the ones who catch out of the backfield, and I think that's where football more and more is going. And then you start seeing receivers who can come in and, and do sweeps and do different things. You think about what Tyree Kill does uh, for the Chiefs as well. So I think that's kind of kind of the future. And so a guy like Richards makes a lot of sense to me. Tank Bigsby is what? Well. Tank Bigsby is a really good option out of the backfield uh, for Auburn. And not saying that the guys on their roster are not. They just have not had as much experience doing it. A guy like Sean Shivers, who I think is going to play a big role. I mean, they've got him. He is one of the dudes coming out and in, 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 in doing interviews now. I think he's going to be a key piece, but he's the guy who, if you watch him in high school, he did a lot of just running the ball and just is really good. So can he be a guy? Because his speed, man, if he just gets that angle, it's gone. So is he going to be a guy who takes his step up in his stock because of the potential he has as, as, a, as a receiving option? Uh, where, where does that leave a guy like DJ Williams, a dude who was a really good quarterback in high school and is making that, that transition? And I think... I think there's a danger in writing off DJ Williams, and I think I've been a, I think I've been accused of being a little bit too low on him. Well, I just feel like you wanted to point out that like the guys outside like, of the big runs against LSU, yeah, it's, it's number and it's like great. just like against like, SEC, teams. yeah. I, I, it's all I didn't take it as like harsh criticism no. of the guy. It's also like you have they they were not a great running offense even with their more experienced back last year. Like, and on top of that, he is a sophomore in college. He is coming off of a year where he had to move. From quarterback to running back to play, like his his ceiling could still be pretty high. I could be proved dead wrong. He could be the future mm-hmm. back Auburn needs in twenty twenty. I would not be surprised at all. But I think the potential of guys like Richards and Bigsby, and now you know you put you put in a little bit. You were mentioning you were mentioning Harold Joyner, and like you see Harold Joyner catching the ball. <laughs> you know right. in, the, in, the, in these in these. Well, videos. I'm just been like super optimistic. I got really excited, like a lot of. Auburn people did when the Charles Clay comp got thrown out yeah. when he got signed, and um, you know, I, I, it's one when I hear Auburn fans bring his name up, I get the reason, especially when you look at the size and athleticism. Mm-hmm. But he seems to be a guy where you have always gone like, yeah, that guy has a definitely defined role and is an important piece within his role. I don't want to say you're wishy washy on him though. It's just like you're not trying to make that guy in your head when like we yeah. talk. I don't see you having. Harold doing a bunch of other things. Like, no, he has an important piece, and he does his part. And that's yeah. kind of where Harold is right now. And, and I think Harold Joyner would make a lot of sense as a receiver or as, like, an H-back or, you know, if you want to put him there. But Auburn's kept at running back right now. And, like, let's see if that, that role is is going to be the one he moves goes with moving forward. Defensively, um, I mean, it's kind of like, all right, you know, business as usual Ed, on the defensive line. Um, everybody's really high on Big Cat Bryant. Um, and and Derek Derek Hall for good reasons. That defense line is going to be fine. Like just do not ever doubt Ronnie <laughs> Gardner's ability to develop guys up there. Linebackers. I mean, KJ Britt's going to be the guy this year for Auburn outside of Bo Nix in terms of like the face of the team. He's got so much experience around. I think the only interesting thing there is just how much they rotate in some of these younger guys because it could be a big year departure next year. year. Yeah, but yeah, Owen Papa and Jacob McLean could blow all the way up this year. No one will be. I think you're kind of anticipating that with McLean, right? Like, we're all watching Britt to see how he does in pass coverage, especially, and, like, can he improve his draft stock a bit? 
But like I think everything McLean I hear about seems to be the guy where you're like, yeah. yeah, you guys should be excited about Brett. You guys should be excited about Popo, but don't forget about that guy. Yeah, no, I think I think McLean could be in for huge years. But defensively, the thing I'm really interested in keying on the most is corner, because Roger McCreary, another guy you see a lot in these videos, and, and you're hearing positive mm-hmm. things about, gonna be the number one guy. But that number two race is interesting. You see Nehemiah Pritchett uh, pop up. A little bit. You heard those. Heard some. Heard some talk Going about into him. camp. Were you expecting Domeo? Like yeah, and, 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 you, and you're right? starting to see Domeo. Yeah. Like Domeo, Domeo's had a couple like really good. And again, it's it's you're taking all pride. It's yeah, just the highlights. Yeah. But like Domeo has been out there against the first team, making some highlight real plays and doing some of the stuff that we thought he could be doing coming out of coming out of JUCO. It's like, oh, he's so long. Like like he's going mm-hmm. to be just a menace whenever the ball's in the air in man coverage because it's just like how are you gonna get through that guy <laughs> like the, the the limbs are just are just waving and attacking so you're not even as interested in the one spot at corner as the two because you feel pretty solid about yeah, the crew, be just being a good yeah. starter at and you need three and you need right. three and if it is if it is uh you know mccreary uh pritchett domeo i don't think anybody's going to be surprised what else happens behind there is a guy like devin barrett come up i'm really interested to see where some of these depth pieces start to roll in for Auburn in the secondary because they not only need depth for this year, but they need to develop what could be the next wave because especially at safety, it's a real good chance that you could be down two safeties next year. Yeah, those guys will both be juniors, right? And I think you're pretty high. Or whatever class we're, uh, whatever yeah, class we're calling yeah. this now. But they should be draft eligible, if I'm not mistaken. They are draft eligible, and, and, and so it's like, will they, will they will go they be back? Matthew Hill. Matthew Hill getting some early really good reviews at defensive back, which is not surprising. Clemson wanted him to play defensive back. Um, so... I think just developing more of that. Um, if I, I'm not alone in thinking this. I think, um, I believe it was Jason Caldwell who had said, who, who wrote something or tweeted something earlier in the preseason that kind of stuck with me. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm with him 100% on this. Do not forget about Jordan Peters. Like, don't forget about him because this is like, he is the glue guy you need in the secondary. It's like, all right, you got to come in and just, Right, we need you at safety here. We need you at nickel here. We need you in this dime package. We need you at corner, maybe. And he's going to do it. Why he's such a really good yeah, productive why player. Why does he slip through the cracks? He, yeah, he was because, injured. It was the injury, yeah, and he and, just and kind I of do fell wonder, off. like, and I think I've heard you say, and I'm kind of putting words in your mouth here, so correct me if if you need to. But it's like, I don't know if he's a lead at anything, but like, what also? He's so productive. Yeah, but like, well, I'll tell you what he's a lead at playing special teams. Remember, how he <laughs> yeah, was just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah. um, and the other injury I'd forgotten yeah. about, so he kind of slipped out of Auburn fans' uh, meanwhile, conscience. Me, meanwhile, Christian Todd just is continuing to be just being a really good, <laughs> good nickel. Like, he's just <laughs> a, he's going to be, it, it, having him back is going to be huge for Auburn this year. Let's go to the other thing that Gus said on Sunday night that I thought was interesting because, look, it's how Twitter works. Everybody's desperate for football. We can talk about code. We're kind of tired of talking about code. All these updates and that. But then when you tweet out certain things about football, these suckers pop off. Tight ends. It's the one <laughs> thing everyone wants to talk about. Uh, Chad Morris has a great track record with right. him. Gus Malzahn, I'm going to read the quote because it's very important to get his to get his words correct here. Because, um, you know, I think a lot of people are in kind of believe it when you see it mode. but Which isn't totally unfair. No, I would, I, I would say way. about that position group. Yeah. Um, let's go to the tight end. If I can find it, I'm really bad at this. Uh, he says, Gus Malzahn was asked about throwing it more to the tight ends this year. He said, yeah, you know, that's a big thing for Chad and Chad's offense. You look at the last two years when he was at Arkansas, I think he had the second most targets in all of college football with with a tight end. And, you know, he's carried that over here and our guys have done a good job so far. We feel like we have some guys, some older guys that have really stepped up and we feel like we've got two freshmen that are going to have a chance too. And this is the money quote. You'll see at times that Chad will have two tight ends on the field at the same time and possibly even three. So that will definitely be a focus this year. All right, a few things there. <laughs> Older guys stepping up, not a surprise. John Samuel Shanker was recruited to be this Mr. Everything. Well, you know, yeah, speaking of people that have gotten until, forgotten about. Yeah, he's, he's your experience in the position. Um, Tyler Fromm, Luke Deal. I mean, we know we know what those guys. Anticipation. Right? Yeah, they're going to try to take a step up. Then you say, we have two freshmen that can help us out. Look. Red shirts out the window. You don't have to worry about the four game rule. You don't have to worry about any rule. This year does not count. This is just going to be. We need to play football because if we do not play football this year, we do not get the money. We're going to be college football will be done because I don't want to be a doom and gloomer too much, but I feel like this time next year we're still going to be going through a lot of this kind of protocol stuff like that. So like you can't sit out two years of 
of college football. We'll college make football, no money for two years. College football will be done. It will be an extinct sport. <laughs> well, and if you've listened to us, we have tried to talk an appropriate amount. Maybe for some of y'all's taste too much, but like, it's no secret that this sport is going to drive the revenue for most of your athletic yep. department. So, even though the Big Ten is continually shooting himself in the foot, I don't know. God, what. they've done a terrible job of getting their just, message out. Just a real it's bad. Been awesome. Just a real, just a real <laughs> bad situation. They're going to play football this year because. They need to. They need to. They need to play. They play football this year, and there's going to be enough people who are going to be willing to play and willing to understand the risk and go ahead with it. Um, so that that being said, eligibility wise, this is a free year. This is like, all right, you know, whatever. So Brandon Frazier and JJ Pagish, you don't have to worry about burning a redshirt year for any of those guys. And so you're just like, all right, just play them. And and to hear Gus say that they can do some things, I mean, Brandon Frazier, like. At least you get in the red zone, you'd be like, yeah, all right, seriously. throw it up to the young like, man. I know that, you know, like Sal Canella can draw the ire of Auburn fans from time to time, but man, like, there are at least a couple of really dope catches he had in the red zone. And exactly. Like, exactly. I don't feel like Frazier, I mean, at bare the, minimum, being that tall seems Also, to in be the Kentucky attribute. game, the Kentucky game, like, the first J.J. Pegues catch is going to be something that everybody on Twitter will talk about. Like, yeah, the national yeah, people are like, yeah. they just, Auburn just threw the ball to, like, a 300 pounder. I don't well, know, also, I don't know how much Pegues is listed I, at now. I but. also expect them to, like, run some sort of option to the left and somehow Gus will scheme him wide open and there will just be a 300 pound man running down the field with no one around him and yeah. I look forward to this greatly fight song yeah. you know where they line up the tackle out wide and so the yeah. tight end who looks like he's playing tackle can just run be and, and be open, open baby. and that's going to be him because you look at him it's like you might have oh to... yeah that guy's going to block yeah that's a, that's a blocker that's a, that's a big old boy he's blocking um, so I think the tight end things are really interesting. People were like, two tight ends on the field at the same time. Wow. It's like, well, yeah, Auburn did that. Like, if you want to count H-backs as tight ends, they would do that. There is a pro set that Gus went to a lot last year where you would run. It's usually Shanker at tight end and Spencer and I at H-back. It's a, usually a run-heavy run kind of two-wide format where it was either a running play or a deep shot. They would run a play-action deep shot off of that. Three tight ends... People are like, that's interesting. It's not impossible, though. Like, most of that, though, for Auburn in the past has been uh, Wildcat, having multiple tight ends on the field or tight ends, quote-unquote. Um, but to run an actual play out of that, to run something where you have two tight ends and then maybe a dude flexed out wide or maybe a dude at, 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 at H-back, that's like a really, like, power, like right. a like a smash-mouth well, kind is of it also like Arkansas has run that in the past. Is it partially the idea of not just having, as you say, like the tight ends on the field, but like feeling like those tight ends are pass-catching threats? Like yep. that's, I think, part of the excitement for yeah, Auburn no dis- no disrespect to Chandler. Well, you had to have Chandler. Like, part of the reason Auburn hadn't thrown at the tight ends much last few years, they've had H-backs they wanted on the field, where catching was not the thing for them. Lead blocking was. Chandler Cox, you know, you go back before that, it was Jay Prosh. But like, it's been a while since they've had C.J. Uzama. By the way, so, uh, a little side note here. Ben Baby, our old friend, yes. who's covered the Bengals for ESPN, he he was tweeting stats from the scrimmage that the Bengals had uh, on Sunday, and uh, I think C.J. Uzama was the leading receiver for Joe Burrow. Ooh, buddy. I mean, like, so, but it's been a while since Auburn's had a talent like that at sure. the tight end position, and I think they're getting more of those guys like that now. No disrespect to the ones who've come before them. They've either been basically wide receivers or fullbacks. Like, right, so, like, to get right. more of these versatile tight end pieces is going to be interesting, but... Yeah, I'm interested to see what a three tight end set's going to look like. It'll be fun to log a 13 per- personnel in, in an offense. Who do you get most excited about? Is it is it Pegues or Frazier just because Auburn had a, had a player quite like that? Or is it one of the other? Is it Shanker who I think sometimes gets forgotten about because of all these guys? a lot. Yeah, and that was another one I wondered if, if Gail His Gail film from. in high school looked really good. He, and, it looked really good. Uh, so, you know, and I know, again, kind of similar to, like, the, the freshman running back conversation we had, it's ex- easy to get excited about the freshmen coming in mm-hmm. and forget about the guys who've been here for a year. It, it's, it, I think it's going to be very much like running back. It's like, who who does the most with their opportunities is going to be the guy. Like, who does the most with their opportunities? Not, there isn't necessarily a packing order. I don't even think there's necessarily a packing order in the running back room or in the tight end room. It's just going to be like, all right, when we get you the ball, do you do something with it? Or do you make the most of your blocking opportunities? Like, do you and think then, more so in past years that the first game is going to be pretty telling for oh, coaches? Because yeah. it's like, well, our well you're not playing Alcorn Stadium where you're playing, you're playing yeah, Kentucky. right. A, de- a, a good, I'm not going to say decent, a good Kentucky team that like got some votes in the preseason. And play. practice has just been, we, like, we've had a practice schedule we've never had before because of COVID, yeah. and so I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to know what kind of data the coaches feel like they're going to be going into week one with and if they feel like it's comparable to a normal year or if it's completely out of whack. Yeah. 
Uh, let's wrap up here. Um, are we good on time? Yeah, we're sitting at just over an hour. We can... Woo! All right, let's let's get it. We're you know guys, we've been we've been backlogged a little bit. Also, we can talk a lot as as you've probably Man been able knows. to pick, maybe we'll pick up on uh, at the Auburn Observer right now. My first post today was something I've been thinking about for the last few months when I have had nothing to write about. <laughs> um, I said it before on the show that we did. Mm-hmm. I said it. I said it briefly as an aside at the Athletic once. But I really wanted to dig into it and get some new numbers on this. A lot of people want to talk about Chad Morris's arrival and how much it means for a guy like Bo Nix. A lot of people want to talk about how great it was. I think if you're playing a full 12-game year, you know, you're in a spot where Seth Williams gets 1,000 yards. This year, numbers aren't going to mean anything. You look at per-game averages, per-play averages are going to be the stats to look at this year, um, even more so than ever. But I've said it, and I've, and I've put it out into words now. I think the person on Auburn's team that has the most to gain from Chad Morris's arrival has been Drumroll, please. <laughs> has been Anthony Schwartz. And I know Auburn fans are some Auburn fans like, there is an Anthony Schwartz high. Yes. And like there should be because well, the people got at, jets. Like, I always get the feeling and maybe people will yell at me and say that's not what we mean at all. But like I always see people's excitement at a player like Tyreek Hill. And it's like you, you may not have that in him, but that's what Auburn fans want out yeah. of that. And that's not how he's been used anyway over the last couple of seasons. I think there's so many things that work well for, for Anthony Schwartz in this situation. Number one, he was catching the ball a lot late last year. Got hurt in the Iron Bowl. I think he's a key piece of the Iron Bowl victory for Auburn if you know he doesn't get hurt on, on, the, first play. on the first play. He averaged more catches per game in the last in the second half of last season than Seth Williams did. That's a surprise. If you take out if you take out the Alabama game, the game the six games yeah, he was yeah, able yeah, to play yeah, yeah. fully, he averaged more catches per game than even Seth Williams did. He was becoming a bigger piece. He had that injury earlier in the year. You could tell it took a little bit of a time for Bo Nix to develop a rapport with him, that connection that he had with Seth very early. By the way, we're recording this on a Monday. Today was the one-year anniversary of the Oregon game, and so everybody's watching the watching the, watching the touchdown. Again. Still mad that they threw a flag on the touchdown that Seth had. I thought that was a very uh, much no fun league flag. Yeah. But anyway. I covered I covered a high school game. I covered a high school game a couple of weeks ago where a guy got fifteen yarded during during a touchdown on fourth down that would have that would have uh, tied the game for his team, and his quarterback threw an interception a couple of plays later. So like. You know, I, I hate those flags. I'm glad that the refs felt like that was a necessary way. Just a real, just a real a good thing to do there. To, Perfect. You know, just spend your time doing those things. <laughs> uh, but I, I think with, with Schwartz, he was already like in line to be a bigger piece of the offense heading into this year. It's steadily improving. I think Bo Nix's numbers going up. You know, can he be more accurate? He's just going to get better. Like he he has to get better. Like. He, you know, he did a lot of good things. The intangibles, a lot mm-hmm. of the leadership, and we've been quick to say numbers were underwhelming last year, but we very both, we're both still believers in Bo. It's just like right now, when people are like we'll make the case for him, it's like yeah, all right, I, I I'll admit the he did he did all the things that you want to see out of a quarterback, except for like the passing numbers weren't great. But like, and for all of you that complained about Jared Stidham not throwing the ball away enough, Bo next does that. So yeah. the man the takes man, solace in something. The the man gets rid of gets rid of the ball, but. When I went and looked at it earlier this year, I found that Anthony Schwartz was Auburn's most efficient receiver, period. And also at every level of the field that they had. And I'll explain it this way. Yards per target. When Bo Nix throws the ball to you, how many yards per play do you get on that? And it's not just per catch. Because what happens if you drop it? I mean, you get penalized if you drop it or if it's a bad pass. Can you get open, make the catch, and do something with it? Most efficient on the team. He had the greatest uh, yards per target. He had the most yards per target on screen passes. He had most y- mm-hmm. uh, the most yards per target on deep balls. Not surprising yeah, there. Yeah. And he had the most yards per target on short passes. And boy, let me tell you, if you were excited about Auburn putting out uh, highlights, Anthony Schwartz catching a slant route really got the Auburn Twitter going the other day. Uh, our boy our boy Dave McKinney, he his, <laughs> his tweet is linked in that story at the at the observer so you can check that out. Um, but yeah, just throwing slants and like intermediate balls last year. Didn't you say that was where both arrived? Yes. Middle of the field, which is kinda of odd. Middle of the field freshman. and short and short. And short. A little quick trigger. Mm-hmm. That's the way he played that's the way he played. He did a lot of RPO, a lot of quick trigger stuff. Um Schwartz was the third most efficient receiver in intermediate. That's 10 to 19 yards in the air. The only two ahead of him, Will Hastings and Sal Canella. They are no longer on the team. So, 
He is the most efficient option across the board. He's already well established. You want to look at Anthony Schwartz like, man, he's the fastest dude in the in the country. Throw it deep or let him catch the ball and run with it. He's an all-around receiver. Like Which has been fair or not, it's usually what people hold against him. And I don't know if it's just because they're like not necessarily Oh, speed guy, track guy. Yeah, exactly. No, he's a good you, football player. People like to chalk it up to he's faster than everyone, but he still has to figure out his route running. It's like, well, I don't know if you know anything about route running either, bro. Like, <laughs> I just think like that's what you're saying because you know he's Everybody really can fast. always get better, bro. I'm just looking at it in the fact that like he was the most efficient weapon Auburn had last year. He had the best catch rate. You know, he rarely dropped the ball when it went, went in his direction. So I, I really think he's going to explode in that way. So we're talking about bigger bigger uh, share of the pie coming into the end of the year. Um, Probably just more opportunities, right? More opportunity, yeah, yeah. Just like expect already, Chad to throw the ball. Already more. efficient. And there, there you go. Chad Morris throws the ball more than Gus Miles on it. Everybody knows that. It's just something that happens. But you talk about those slants and those intermediate balls, more of those, Chad Morris throws more of those than Gus Miles on teams have done in the past. A lot of screens and a lot of deep balls, right? Well, Chad Morris, his team's a lot less. It was like 10% fewer of the share last season at Arkansas were screens. They just don't throw a lot of, a lot of as much screens as Auburn does. So you want to look at slants, you want to look at those outs, you want to look at those drag routes, you want to look at all those little things that you think, oh, Anthony Schwartz would be great, but what if we got him the ball while he was running? You know, would not necessarily standing still and having yeah, to go, or yeah. like kind of, kind of. Well, if if you take a wrong angle on that guy, because deep balls are always going to be like throw it up there. Even mm-hmm. the best deep ball throwers in the NFL are like, ah, it's fifty fifty at best if you're going right. to if you're come down with this. But so. I think it might have been you that said this. Like, if you catch the ball and stri- if Anthony Schwartz catches the ball in stride and has a half step on the defender, he has won that race. Yes, every time, every single time. And you don't have you, so you can get him the ball more often without saying like, oh, we have to throw it deep to him, right? It's going to happen, I think, when you see the evolution of the offense. This is where the stuff gets really fun. The The balls that go in the air for Auburn this year, Anthony Schwartz can be a better receiver for Auburn this season without it taking anything away from Seth Williams. One, because Chad Morris throws the ball more. Two, number two receivers at under, under Chad Morris, they eat. They absolutely eat. Under Gus Malzahn, the 10 years Auburn's had, had Gus Malzahn, Three times, only three seasons, did the number two receiver on the team average three three catches a game or more. Under Chad Morris, that's happened six times. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a much more it's a much sure. more. Um, it, it just happens a, a lot more. I, one of the other things to keep in mind, I think it was like if you take away the Arkansas years, number two receivers under Chad Morris average like four and a half catches a game. Under Gus Malzahn, it's like two and a half. So like it's there's a gap. There's a, there's a there's right. a decent gap there. Number two guys, they just eat more in this up. You know, there's been some criticism in the past of Auburn funneling the ball to a number one receiver, just a primary guy. Spread the wealth a little bit more. But if you're the number two guy, you're you're doing pretty well. And the last thing, the numbers I really wanted to get into from this is that Chad Morris has plenty of of of, of a track record, especially at SMU, especially as SMU and Clemson years, of big receiver, smaller, faster receiver tearing it up at SMU. It was uh, Cortland Sutton, who is now for the Denver Broncos, six four, big guy. He makes a lot of really good plays. Well, the productive receivers, the big play guys on that team, not just Sutton. They had uh, they had uh, James Prochet, who is now with the Ravens. Um, all three of these guys I want to mention got drafted in the NFL. James Prochet, big plays uh, in, in two years, and they had Trey Quinn, former LSU guy, who went to SMU and caught like 111 balls or something <laughs> like that. Smaller guy, just shiftier guy. So while there was a ton of attention on the big dude. You know, they the the smaller, shiftier, faster guys underneath, and none of them have speed like Anthony Schwartz. But those guys, they, and then let's kick it back to Clemson. Twenty fourteen is last year at Clemson. Artavis Scott has a huge year playing next to Mike Williams. Mike Williams was a pretty good receiver. Yeah. He, he, he captured a lot of attention. 2011, 2012, and twenty thirteen. A young man by the name of Sammy Watkins was, I think, I think if you want to say, and I don't know, man, like Chad Morris doesn't have to do this because he had the job, but like if you wanted to have a pitch to be like. Anthony Schwartz, here's what I here's what I think of you. If I'm him, I'm like, here, look <laughs> at Sammy Watkins' film. Because there's a lot of similarities between these two guys. Track guys, you know, Schwartz, of course, was faster. But track guys, Florida guys, really good athletes, flankers next to big guys. Sammy Watkins put up dumb numbers at Clemson in offenses where he had to play with Martavis Bryant, monster, like Martavis Bryant, what, 6'5"? I forgot he played there. <laughs> and that first year, 
Nuke Hopkins yes. was actually the second Nuke. the second best receiver on the team because Sammy, as a freshman, tore it up. So a lot of attention on Nuke Hopkins, a lot of attention on Martavis Bryant. Some of those guys, like those big possession-based guys, a guy like Seth Williams, well, here comes Anthony Schwartz on the other side. Here comes Sammy Watkins, James Prochet, all these dudes. The combination of big guy, smaller guy, you know, big guy, fast guy. I, it, it just works. Like he finds a way to get to make sure that those guys play off of each other really well. I think that bodes well. Now, I'm not saying Auburn's going to turn into SMU, and I'm not saying that Auburn's going to have the, the NFL factory that Clemson wide receivers have been since the dawn of time, it feels like. But you combine that with Bo Nix taking a step forward, with, with, with Seth Williams becoming a bigger, bigger, getting more attention mm-hmm. from defenses. I think Anthony Schwartz, if he's healthy, if he plays, subject to change with everything here, I think, man, he's in he's in a position to explode. And I don't think Auburn fans are going to hate that theory, that that Anthony Schwartz could, could be a very productive guy this year. Is that a good place to leave it, my friend? I think it's a good place to leave it. So, appreciate everybody listening. Again, apologies for the audio not being great. All the teachers of America have taken our podcast <laughs> microphones. And uh, good for them. They deserve they that. They need them. And a lot more uh, for, for all of this. Um, but... Uh, this will be, uh, yeah, this is our the inaugural, our, the inaugural episode one of the Auburn Observer podcast. We will be back later this week for another free episode. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, all of our episodes for the month of September will be free. We're going to shoot them for twice a week in October. If this thing works out, we'll switch over to paid and you can get one free and one premium one a week with a subscription to the Auburn Observer. Go to auburnobserver.substack.com. Read that Anthony Schwartz story, subscribe. You can get all your stories and your podcast email to your inbox uh, and I also live on a website that's pretty cool too so we'll see if it works um, until next time Painter you want to you want to close it out yeah just a reminder also uh, we should have this out on essentially every platform that yeah. you can listen Spotify. to yeah I'm glad you mentioned that uh, but that will probably be the last one it just takes a little bit longer and then just to circle kind of everything you've said to this point what it is Justin's doing I'll be a small part of it but Justin is giving you content basically every day of the week I think is fair to say at least five bi- or six days a yeah, week. Yeah, I would say business to, right, like because you got the pods, and then you'll put out as you mentioned three to four stories a week. So uh, with that, I'm excited that we've got one in the books. Yeah, absolutely. So subscribe at auburnobserver.substack.com, and uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Leave reviews, all that good stuff, and uh, hopefully, if you listen like me to your podcast on Spotify, we will uh, we will appease the gods uh, within within the next couple of weeks. Appreciate everybody listening. Goodbye.